Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. My name is Matt. I'm a pastor here at the church. Thanks for uh, coming out on this Sunday. This I'll call this a holiday weekend. Do you guys call it a holiday weekend? Who celebrated Thanksgiving this past weekend? Yeah? You had turkey and all the stuff on uh, Thanksgiving. Did anybody um, do multiple Thanksgivings? Yeah, quite a few of you. Did anybody do multiple Thanksgivings? On like the same day, like on Thanksgiving Day, yeah, or some of the. I did that. I did that as well. So my Thanksgiving started. Um, we went to my parents' house, and we kind of every other year, my mom does like the big turkey, you know, dinner and stuff. And so um, we started there at my parents' house, and then we went to my in-laws' house later in the afternoon. So I told myself, I've got two Thanksgivings. I'm gonna be good. I have to be good because two Thanksgivings is a lot. So we get to my mom's house, and there's just something about mom's home cooking. <laughs> there's just something. And so I go up there, and I had, you know, all the, all the, the stuff. Actually, I like turkey, but it's probably the least, my least favorite part of the meal. Like, it's all the sides and... Um, Let's just say I wasn't very good. I told myself, one helping, one helping. And then on the third time that I went up, <laughs> I realized I didn't have just one helping. But the thing is, it's the, it's the temptation of the food. Like I said, it's, the turkey is good, but my mom makes really good stuffing, and it's actual stuffing that's like in the bird. Um, really good. I was, I was tempted by that. And mashed potatoes and gravy, and this is going to sound really weird, but my mom makes kind of like this thick gravy. I'm probably calling her out on this. And sometimes it has lumps in it from the flour. But I love that. Like, oh, it's so <laughs> tempting. Her gravy is so tempting for me. And then we live in the Midwest, so there's always casseroles, right? And so there's corn casserole, and then green bean casserole. And one of my favorites, some, some of you know that I make these like top five lists. On my top five list is spinach casserole. And it sounds like, ooh, spinach, you're being really healthy. It's not healthy at all. It's got like half and half in it and cheese and all this stuff. But it was so tempting for me. And so that's why I went up for seconds and thirds and then maybe a couple desserts. It was all because of the temptation. And so then I went to my, my in-laws, right? We finished there. We go to my in-laws, and I'm like, okay, I'm full. I'm not going to be tempted this time. Well, then my mother-in-law makes this. She makes these, like, rolls, and there's this cinnamon butter, kind of like um, Texas Roadhouse cinnamon butter, but only better. And so I had a bunch of that as well. Um, I probably had, I had multiple rolls. The only reason I really had the rolls is because I didn't want to just eat the butter like out of the thing because I would totally done that. <laughs> but the thing was, is I was tempted. There was a lot of temptation to eat these foods, right? 
I couldn't, I couldn't not do it because of my temptation. And it goes, for me, it goes outside of food. Food sometimes for me is a temptation. Um, but I tell myself in sports, like, don't get fired up about this game or don't get fired up about this season. And I was going to do that. And then on Friday, Iowa beat whoever they played. Or Nebraska beat Iowa. And so if Purdue won... On Saturday, they go to the Big Ten Championship game. And so I was tempted then to get all worked up again, and I kind of did. I kind of did. And sometimes I'll get tempted for a TV show that, that maybe isn't good for my soul, but I'm getting this idea of like, right, the temptation's coming to my head like, oh, it's okay, you're a pastor, you can handle that. And so I get tempted to watch the show, and I start watching, and I'm like, this is so dumb, why did I do this? And it all has to do with my temptations. It has to do with my temptations. There's two things that we have to know about temptation. One is temptation is not good, and the second is that temptation is not God. And so here's the definition. Temptation is not good. Here's the definition. The desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. And so even if there's these, these simple things, right, that we get tempted by, it's, oh, it's just, it's just food, it's just dinner. Why are you tempted so much? It, it's a little thing, but little things can become big things. Here's what it says in James 1.15. It says, then after desire, which is temptation, if we, if we substitute our desires as our temptation, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and to sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so if we have these temptations, sometimes we have really big temptations in our lives, but sometimes we have really small temptations, but when we give into those, it becomes sin and sin can become death. And so temptation is not good. It's not good, but it's also not God. The first part of that verse, right? We said James 1.15. This is James 1.13 and 14 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted uh, when they are dragged away from their own evil desire, and enticed. And so temptation comes from our own thoughts, but it mostly comes from the enemy. And so if you're like me, if you're like me, and I would probably say all of us, you're like me in this, the fact that you're human, is that we cannot handle temptation on our own. We can't do it. We can't handle temptation on our own. But the good news is that God wants to help us with our temptations. God wants to help us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. I'm going to pause right there real quick. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Don't be ashamed by your temptations because it's common to everyone. Somebody else has your temptation. Don't, 
Don't be shamed by your temptation. Kind of a side note. So, so right, everyone is common to mankind, but then this is what God says. says, and God is faithful. He will not let, a, um, let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. And so we can't handle temptation on our own, but God's saying, hey, come to me and I will help you endure your temptation. God wants to help us out of our temptation. How does he do this? Here's an example of the words of Jesus. This is Jesus the night before he was arrested. He goes up on the mountain to pray. He tells the disciples, stay here and keep watch and pray for me. They end up falling asleep. And Jesus comes back a couple times. This is one of his encounters. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so I love that he says, hey, watch and what? Watch and pray. Pray so you will not fall into temptation. Pray and you will not fall into temptation. So hold that thought. We are finishing up our series that is called Teach Us to Pray. And it is based on the Lord's Prayer, which happens in Matthew chapter 6 um, in his Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gives us a guide on how to pray. And so we're going to finish up that, that series today. We've kind of taken each section of that prayer and, break, and broken it down. And today we're going to look at verse 13. But we're going to be in Matthew 6. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen as well. I'm going to read it from my Bible. I'm going to read the whole prayer, and we'll focus on the last here. So Matthew 6, 9 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so that's the title of today's message. Lead us not into temptation. I think this one little scripture, right, that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's a couple things that I think we can, we can take out. One is that we can resist temptation. And then the other part is if, if, we're, if, we're, if we've been tempted, and maybe we're even into sin, God gives us a way out. And so that's what we're going to talk about um, today. But first, um, let me pray, and then we'll kind of dig into to our points. So yeah, God, we invite you in. We invite you in this morning. God, we, we acknowledge the fact that we um, are tempted, but we also acknowledge the fact and we believe and we trust in the fact that, that you want to bring us out of temptation. And so speak to us this morning, God. Let your words be my words this morning. And have your way. 
We invite the Holy Spirit in. In Jesus' name, amen. So two points. The first one is this. We can avoid temptation and sin by following the leader. Following the leader. Right? It says, and lead us not into temptation. The first part is lead, right? Lead us. So we're going to have a leader. If you're a leader, you've got to follow that. But then it says, not into temptation. So if we are following God, he's going to lead us away from temptation, right? If temptation is over here, lead us not into that. Lead us elsewhere. He's going to lead us away from temptation. Do we always know where that is, where he's leading us? No. We don't know where that is, but we know two things. One is that it's good, and two, all we have to do is follow. All we have to do is follow. Let me give an example um, from my life. Recently, I think it was September, when we went to um, the wilderness trip. And the wilderness trip um, that we went, it was a men's trip. There were eight of us that went, and you kind of carry your canoe, and you you canoe some, and then you do these portages and, and carry your canoe through. Well, each day on this trip, it was a six-day trip, and each day there's a new leader. There's a different leader. And that leader has the map, and they go, and they, and they find the portages that you're going, and they find the lakes that you need to paddle across. And there you work in teams, so there's four teams. The other three teams, they just have to follow the leader. That's what we had to do. And what happened is if, if we did not follow the leader, we would have gotten lost, right? The leader's going this way and say, oh, no, I think I know better. I'm going to go this way, and we would have gotten lost. And in the wilderness, some people might be able to survive. Bear Grylls can survive in the wilderness. Matt LaFree can't. <laughs> and so if I did not follow the leader and I went on my own path, I would have gotten lost, and it probably would have ultimately led to my death just like sin. When we're tempted, if we don't follow the leader, we go astray from that, it can ultimately lead to our death. We just have to follow the leader. It happened in the Bible, right? We're familiar with the 12 disciples. Those are the 12 people that decided in the moment to follow Jesus. Luke 5.11 says, so they pulled up their boats up on shore. They're fishermen pulling their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. That's Jesus. They left everything and followed Jesus. That's the calling of Peter, James, and John 3. So that happens nine more times where Jesus calls and they leave everything and they follow Jesus. Did they have any idea where they were going? No. They had no idea where they were going. Jesus was kind of new on the scene, right? They're saying, I'm just going to follow you. I don't know where we're going, but I'm going to follow you. We have 20-20 vision. We get to look back, and we know what happens. If we think about the lives of the 12 disciples, they benefited from following Jesus. They got to hear him every day teaching to them giving them, them insights that they wouldn't have heard elsewhere. That's a pretty good life. I would have liked to follow Jesus. If Jesus came in here right now and said, follow me, 
I'd go, because he's got some good stuff. The disciples got that. Following is what we need to do. As you say, okay, what do I need to follow? We just need to follow Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Here's another example. So I was, I was kind of watching the Macy's Parade in the morning on Thanksgiving morning. Anybody watch? We talked about like watching, eating and watching football. Did anybody watch the parades? Yeah. I call them parades. They aren't really, when they stop and do their little routines, it's not really a parade. But anyway, whatever. But anyway, so I was kind of watching the parades and I, I was thinking, you know, so there's all these, all these different people. You think like, okay, well, there's a parade route and I have to go there. They must have to print off an awful lot of maps, right? They have to print off an awful lot of maps. So I think about this. You know how many maps they need? One. They need one map. The leader. All everybody has to do is follow the leader. And that's exactly the way it is in our life. We just have one map. We just need one map. It's the Bible. It's inspired by God. It's all we need. And all we have to do is follow what it says. Follow our leader. And he will lead us not into temptation. Again, do we know where we're going? No. Does it really matter? No. Just follow the leader. And so that is point one. We can avoid temptation and sin by following the leader. The second point is this. We can avoid temptation and sin by taking the way out. By taking the way out. Right, the second part, Matthew 13 says, but deliver us from the evil one. So delivering us, it's getting us out of something. It's deliverance. We're getting out of it. And it says deliver us from what? The evil one. Now, what, the, what does the evil one represent? Some versions just say deliver us from evil. That's our sin. That's our temptations. Deliver us from the evil one means deliver us from the, the, the person that is going to tempt us. Deliver us from our sin. Deliver us from our temptations. And so when we pray, God will give us a way out, and we need to take that way. We need to take that way out. I shared this verse earlier, but it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? The second part says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so I'll give you an example again from my life of how did God deliver me from this? How did he give me a way out? And so I was, I was in sin and I was holding on to it. I was holding on to this sin. And finally God told me, he said, you know what? You need to confess it. You need to confess your sin to, to man, to, to another person. And so when I confessed that sin, I wish I could stand up here and describe to you the freedom that I felt in that moment and have felt since then. 
And all I did was confess. So that's one way that we can get out of our sin, get out of our temptation, is just confessing it. And what did I do? I followed God. He said, go confess it. And there was huge, huge freedom in that. If you don't want to listen to my story, because I wish I could tell you, like, everything. I wish I could tell you the feeling I had, the freedom I had. It's hard to describe. But let's look at a story, actually, in the book of Matthew as well. This is a story of Jesus. It happens right before the Sermon on the Mount. He gets baptized, and then he ends up going out into um, the wilderness. And this is, it's several um, verses, 10 verses, a little longer, but it's a great story of, of God giving us a way out and us following that way out. So follow along with this. This is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord, uh, the Lord your God, to the test. Then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And so in this example, there are three times that Jesus is tempted directly by the devil. And all three times, what is his response? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. But the reading the word of God Memorizing scripture is a spiritual discipline. And so when we talk about, okay, take the way out, God gives us a way out, and that is through spiritual disciplines. They can help us get out of our temptation and out of our sin. Jesus, in this one, right, there's, there's scripture memorization, which is Jesus just revert, like, no, it also says this, and it says this. It's just coming from memory. He has memorized scripture but he also does some other things, right? It starts with fasting. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long time. There's silence and solitude. He got away. He wasn't in the city. He got away. There's silence and solitude. That's a spiritual discipline. It doesn't directly say it in here. I'm going to assume that there's prayer in those 40 days and 40 nights as well. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. And there are other spiritual disciplines than what Jesus used. We talked about scripture memorization, but just even reading scripture is a spiritual discipline. Service, 
is a spiritual discipline. I talked about confession as a spiritual discipline. Worship, singing, praise, those are spiritual disciplines. And I talk about these spiritual disciplines, why? Because it's our way out. That's our way out. God gives us a way out. We just have to take it. And so when we do these spiritual disciplines, man, press into them. Press into the spiritual disciplines. I hear this often, probably more often than I should, more often than I want to. And I've said this probably more often than I should. But it's this, I can't. Well, I can't do that. Or I can't do this, right? I can't, I can't fast. I can't memorize scripture. I don't know how to sing. Here's the deal. Yes, you can. You can fast some way. You can memorize scripture. I didn't think I could memorize scripture. When we were on our wilderness trip, the same thing. I memorized a significant chunk of scripture in five days or whatever it was, six days. You can. Don't let no be your answer for spiritual disciplines. You can. You can. God has given those to you. So those are like physical things that we can do. Spiritual disciplines are physical things that we can do to help us from, from temptation, to get us out of our sin and out of our temptations. There's also some figurative things. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God, the armor of God. And so I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's what he's saying. That's, he's given us a way out. God is saying, this is your way out. Put on the armor of God because it will take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The spiritual, the spiritual forces of evil are things that the devil puts in our, in, our, in our life to tempt us. And God's saying, put on the armor of God. So what is the armor of God? There's six things. There's the belt of truth. There's the belt of truth. There's the breastplate of righteousness, the feet um, of gospel, the gospel of peace, your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. There's a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, a sword of the spirit. And each one of those armors of God has a different purpose, right? The belt of truth. I think of the belt of truth. It could be a tool belt to help you hold your tools. The breastplate of righteousness goes over your torso, right? Can help protect the important things. Right? If you're tor you think about what's in your torso, your heart, your liver, your lungs, all your important organ organs are in here. The breastplate of righteousness protects that. Your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. I think about this. You ever had a bad pair of shoes? Your feet hurt. When your feet hurt, that's not good. Put on the shoes of peace. God gives us peace. Put on those shoes. The shield of faith. It even describes when it says the shield of faith, it says, so it can deflect fiery arrows, I think is what the scripture says. It's a shield. It's a protection. Boom, I can move that around and I can, I can, I can deflect temptations from all different directions. The helmet of salvation, helmet will protect your head, right? Your knowledge will protect your knowledge. 
and the sword of the spirit, which it says is the word of God. The Bible, I love that one. It might be my favorite armor of God because the sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon that is out there. And it's the word of God. Just like Jesus said, right? When the devil tempted it, what did Jesus do? He took the sword and he said, truly, I tell you this, and he, and he whacked the devil with it. The devil's going like this, right? What's that movie? Like, that's my picture. The sword of the spirit. He gives us our way out. We just have to choose to take it. When we do these things, it assures us that God is on our side. And here's what I love, right? At the very end, I left one verse out of this little, when, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, and he quotes scripture three times, and the devil leaves with him. The very last verse, I love this, it says this, Matthew 4, 11, says, then the devil left him. Jesus said, he goes in, and he quotes scripture three times. The devil left him. And then this, I like this part. This, I've read this many times, and this part stuck out to me this time. And then, and angels came to attend to him. God gave Jesus a way out. Jesus took that way out. And what did God do? He sent angels to be with Jesus. And the same thing will happen with us. When we use our weapons that God has given us, when we use the way out that God has given us, the, the enemy will leave and the angels will come and be with us. That is very comforting to me. All we have to do is press in a little bit. It takes a little bit of discipline to use the spiritual disciplines, right? Jesus fasted for 40 days. You think that was easy? No, I can barely fast for one day. 40 days, it takes that. Um, even, right, even worshiping sometimes can take a little bit of discipline. I'll tell you one that takes discipline in my life is reading my Bible and memorizing scripture because I have to get up a little bit earlier than I, than I, than I want to. But it takes a little bit of discipline. But again, the reward on the other side is so much greater than what you're going to put in. You just have to press in. This is your last point on your handout. Our way out is to press in. Our way out of sin, our way out of temptation, is to press into God. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.